What's going on, everybody? It's your host, Rob Mars. Listen to the Rims and Nets podcast, episode 24. I'm recording this on a Saturday, November 2nd. So we just started the new month, and the week is pretty much um, pretty much over. At least as far as I know, we're going to cover the Celtics. Um, get into the um, the past few games. We'll get into the, the last night's win against the Knicks. Also, we'll get into uh, that great come from behind victory they got against the Bucks on Wednesday night. We're gonna get into that. You know, get into all the analysis for that. Um, it was amazing finish for both of those games. It's been it's been a really strong week. Now their Celtics are four and one. Um, they've had a few injuries to start the year, so it's been they've been able to we- uh, weather the storm so far. So we'll get into that. Um, we'll also get to other NBA news as well and notes surrounding the league. You know the you know I know everyone's seen the Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns fight. We'll get into that Steph Curry injury, you know, other news, notes, and then also uh, probably gonna do it on the second segment. We're gonna get into the start of college basketball. College basketball starts next week, um, on t- next Tuesday. So we're gonna get into um, a few matchups that I think are gonna be key matchups locally. So we'll get into that. Obviously, I mean, we'll get into a little bit of the, you know, we'll get in, we'll more focusing morally on local teams, but I will here and there, you know, there's really, really big time games nationally. I will also kind of get into that as well. Um, I know the State Farm Classic will be starting up on ESPN. I think Kansas is playing against Duke and Michigan State is playing against Kentucky. So um, I might not really get into that because I will have a lot. I have a lot of matchups locally that I would like to get into first. If you have a little time, I will address that. You know, a few matchups that I like with those teams. But as far as I know, we're just going to focus more on the local matchups and see how much time we have after that. All right, so let's get it started um, with the Celtics. It's been a strong week for them. I mean, they they they're really um, they really started the season out um, much better than compared to last year. Obviously, last year's team had a lot of issues early on, and they started the season ten and ten. They're already like halfway there to the wins that they had that year, and it's only been the second week of the season. Uh, so they're 4-1. They're right at the top of the East. But other teams like the Sixers, Sixers are still undefeated. Sixers are 4-0. and you have, you have the Raptors that are 4-1. They already beat the Raptors, and they beat the Bucks. So, I mean, it's been imp- an impressive start. Um, they're not even fully healthy yet. They've had a lot of injuries, particularly at the you know at the five spot, the spot that's really been the, probably the Achilles heel of this team. And they've been able to uh, weather the storm and able to 
continue to play at a high level. And I just think probably the main thing with that is being able to have guys that are the key guys have been healthy. You know, Kim has been healthy and, you know, Gordon's been healthy and Tatum. And obviously Jalen Brown is probably the only guy that is, I mean, he's had a great start of the year, but he's been, you know, he's been out the past two games with illness. So even though, like, you don't have Cairn, you don't have Jalen Brown, you you hadn't had Robert Wins for two games, yet Tice was out as well for a few games, and they still was able to, to weather the storm. That's that's impressive. I mean, that's probably what last year's team wasn't able to do. They, they did not handle adversity well, and this team seems like they've already gotten a few uh, bumps in the road, and they've been able to um, been able to push through and 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 get through all that all the all that prosperity. So we'll see we'll see how it goes. I mean, next week is an, a new week. I think the schedule is going to be a lot more. Um, easier. I mean, they have the, they had the Knicks last night. Um, next week they have the Cavs, and I believe they play the uh, the Hornets after that as well. But those are both road games. But obviously, it's against probably the weaker teams and you know probably the bottom bottom half of the East. So it sh- they should be able to rack up a lot of wins, you know, early on, and then we'll we'll see how it goes after that. And let's get into the like, you know, what happened with the Bucks Celtic game on Wednesday. Um, this is where uh, we're starting to really find out how good this. Or really, we know this team could be good, but we're starting to find out that they can at least play and compete with high-level teams. I thought when you know when I seen the Sixers game last week, I really thought they. I I thought they weren't going to be able to compete against those teams. I th- I just didn't think they had enough in them, particularly because their depth on the bench is pretty is pretty stale. And after Kimba and and Tatum and 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 Jalen Brown, I mean those guys can be inconsistent at times. And well, at least I at least when the season started, Kimba did struggle, but now Kimba's definitely turned it around. He's he's been absolutely been an assassin out there just scoring at will and getting to the you know getting to the free throw line at will and the team has definitely um benefited from him just stepping up he's averaging like 30 plus points the past couple games so since ever since that Sixers game he's been he's been pretty steady the only really issue is that the you know they have they've been starting out slowing games and then they had to come back and win you know win against Toronto they come back and win against Milwaukee, but once they get that you know squared away I mean this team is going to be really tough to beat man. Um, as far as like the Bucks Celtic game goes, I thought Marcus Smart really set the tone in the game early on, you know when things were rocky. Um, the Bucks got that big lead. It looked like the Bucks were just gonna go, you know, was gonna pull away and 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 probably flat out dominate that game. But Marcus Smart made a bunch of big threes to keep them afloat. Um, his defense was really impeccable against against Giannis all night. 
Um, I think it was kind of a blessing in disguise for Jalen Brown to be out. So that way um, you figured that, you know, who's going to guard. That was the question coming into the game. When I, I mean, I didn't know when I watched the game, I didn't know who the heck was going to guard uh, Greek Freak when you don't have no Jalen Brown. And obviously Jalen Brown gives you the offense. I thought it, I, I, I really – which normally I don't like to give up on my team or the team that I'm rooting for, but it was, I felt like it was completely hopeless that they would win that game. And it, it amazed me that they were able to, you know, it looked like they were dead in the water and they were able to, able to find a way to win that game, especially being down by that much by probably one of the most elite teams in the NBA. I, I thought that was that showed uh, great resilience that they never had last year. They never had a, um, a game where they really came back from that entire season. It kind of showed, uh, you know, similarities to the previous Brad Stevens teams. You know, obviously the Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah, Th- uh, Isaiah Thomas type teams that Brad Stevens had in, in those few years. And even before then, they had that resiliency. So... It was it was a great feeling to see that because it's been it's been tough for them, you know, especially that past year to really. It just wasn't it just it didn't seem like the normal Brad Stevens team. And I feel like, you know, seeing that comeback really show that this team has that toughness and resiliency that they could they could fall back on if they need it to win, you know, a game where they weren't expected to win or they fall behind in the game, they're able to come back. And and that's just a good quality to have in your team, that that competitiveness to be able to battle back in games. So obviously Marcus Smart had a huge impact in that game. I thought Hayward and Tatum were very um, pedestrian in that first half, but they picked it up in the second half. You know, I call it Jekyll and Hyde. It was it was just like a tale of two halves. I mean, the way the whole energy um, picked up in the second half, the defensive intensity was much more better. The shot selection was much more better. They weren't settling like they were in the first half. I thought the Milwaukee Bucks kind of dictated what they wanted in the second half. It was a different story. This, um, Hayward Tatum got better shots. They got in, got themselves in the paint more. Still had a tough time finishing inside, but they were able to get better shots. Kimball was able to get to the free throw line. I think I thought Hayward did a good job of getting in the paint, getting deep in the paint, finding guys, kicking it out for, to three-point shooters, and that was that was huge. I thought Grant Williams and Robert Williams made an impact defensively when they were out there together. One thing I feel like Brad needs to work on is he needs to recognize um, when a team is, you know, winning the battle inside, he needs to play more bigger lineups. He wants to play small, but I just think this team is much better when they're playing with bigger lineups. When Grant Williams, when they played Grant Williams at the four with Robert Williams, it made all the difference in the world. I mean, at times he would he would play Grant Williams with Semi Ojale. That's when... The Bucks were able to dominate inside, you know, and, and it's been like that even with the Knicks game. 
when they were on the road in New York on that Saturday game on in New York, I mean, yeah, they ended up blowing out the Knicks, but they still had a hard time rebounding the basketball, mainly because they weren't playing the, that bigger lineup that you see more of we, that the Celtics were able to do in that comeback against the Bucks. They were able to play that lineup with Grant Williams, Robert Williams at the four and the five spot, and then you had either Hayward, Tatum, and then Smart, and then Kimba. It was a combination of those four with that lineup that really made all the difference in the world rebounding. When they got stops, they were able to get the rebounds. I mean, that's just, that makes it all, that makes it so important that those guys, and it was those guys that were rebounding. Robert was get Robert Williams was getting the rebounds. Grant Williams was getting the rebounds. And it it allowed guys like Hayward to get the ball up the floor or, or basically just get up get up on the floor they can outlet pass it to those guys it creates um it creates you know possible you know transition opportunities or able to, you're able to play more faster with more pace like i think brad stevens needs to stop overlooking that part of the game when you don't have the biggest roster you have to be with a rebound the basketball and they, you know Obviously, when Cantor comes back, that will help out a bit. But even then, if Cantor's not on the floor, he has to he has to want to play those bigger lineups, especially when you're playing against a team that's much more bigger than you, which I guarantee you, nine times out of ten, the team that we play against is going to be much more bigger than us. Or well, really, what the Celtics play against is going to be much more bigger than us. I always say us because I'm just... It's it's a thing when you're you're a fan of a team you kind of you kind of always say us or we or whatever but I'm try, I'll try to catch myself if I keep doing it so I'm not so so biased but I mean we all know this is a local podcast from in the Boston area New England area so just catch me if I I mean I'll try to catch myself if I do try to speak in in that um. And that I'm trying to think of the word, the, my, you know, that point of view of that you're belonging to, um, you belonging to, you know, that local team. You, I'm going to say us or we, but uh, just, just disregard it if I say it. But I'll make sure I catch myself when I do say it. But yeah, so. I think uh, Stevens has to recognize that. And sometimes he can, you know, at times last year, same thing. Wanted to play small and it hurt us on the glass. This year he has to be continue to recognize those mismatches or those those um, deficiencies that we have inside so that way we don't get exposed too much and give up unnecessary points. I thought it was kind of frustrating watching the game last night, the Knicks game last night because, you know, he played that uh Ojale, semi Ojale, Grant Williams lineup and it's just what it's just like it's just too small of a lineup when you have um teams that are just much more bigger than you overall. So once that happens, once he fixed that adjust made that adjustment, because in the first half he went with that lineup. I don't think he went with the Robert Williams, Grant Williams lineup in the first half. And when he made that adjustment in the second half, that's when they made that run. And they were able to get stops and rebound the basketball and able to create, you know, transition opportunities. 
So we'll see if 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 Stevens continues to do that. It looks like he is at times. He will play those lineups because he did have uh he did have Poirier out there at times. Vincent Poirier playing without Grant Williams, and I was like, watch it watch it work out for them because it's gonna it's gonna create an opportunity that they're able to you know battle on the glass a little bit more better. But I hope when Cantor comes back, I don't hope he doesn't continue to keep pressing that issue of playing small because even Cantor he he has trouble of Cantor's a pretty good offense read, but sometimes he struggles on the defensive glass. So it would be it would be nice if he just throw Grant Williams out there at the four spot, or even go big to big, or have two fives out there with Robert Williams and Ennis Cantor, or vice versa. Makes it match, you know. Throw Tice in there with Robert Williams, or throw Tice with with Grant Williams. I, I tell you, I guarantee you, if he continues to make an effort to play more of those bigger lineups, knowing that he has a deficiency at that five spot, I think it will make all the difference in the world. At least when it comes down to rebound the basketball, but we'll see if he does that. But yeah, and then obviously, you know, you notice that Kimball was was clutch down the stretch in that game. He just was draining threes, coming off of, off of pick and rolls, pulling up from three, uh, getting himself um, off of pin downs and, and knocking down threes off of pin downs. Um, he was he he was pretty good, man. I think I think he's starting to really get comfortable out there, and he's you know he's definitely making an impact, getting himself to the free throw line. Creating, um, creating opportunities of his, you know his ability to um, to work the refs basically to get himself to the free throw line, especially when he's at home. We'll see how he does on the road when it comes down to that. But I um, mean, he's he's definitely looking good. And then obviously we got to see what happens. When you know you know all these injuries subside and you have Canner and you have Jalen Brown back, we'll see how that goes. But well, far as the um, last night's game, I'm not going to get too deep into it. But I thought the Celtics kind of played to played up to the competition a bit. They could have they could have played a little bit better, but I felt like you know when you that shorthanded, especially at the five spot, you're going to struggle rebounding the basketball and it. And that's definitely what happened. They they were definitely killing them on the glass. Uh, they won the points in the paint battle as well. And I thought Marcus Morris really stepped up in this game, especially late, made a bunch of big shots. You know, no surprise there. This is what he does. He's a he's a clutch player. He's a competitor out there. He made some big shots for the Knicks. Kept the Knicks in the game. Um. Again, you know, Brad wanted to play small ball, and it hurt him when he had Mitchell Robinson out there. Mitchell Robinson got a bunch of offensive rebounds in this game. Julius Randle had a bunch of rebounds as well. I think he had, like, uh, double-digit rebounds. So it's like that, you know. If it wasn't for that, I would be, it would be easy for them. I and mean, they had Jalen Brown not playing. It would have been a much more easier game for them. But... What can you do? You got, you got to play what's what's available to you. So you look at that. I mean, it was a, it was a good it was a it was a good game 
in a sense that, I mean, they were able to respond. I mean, you probably lose that game last year. If a team, you know, you know, was playing up, to, you know, a lot of times we play down to the competition last year. This year's team, you know, they might do that, but I think they'll always find a way to win those games. It was another slow start this game as well, but like I said, they found a way to to kind of, you know, set the tone in that third quarter. Seems like this team plays better in the third quarters than they did last year. Last year's team was not really good in the third quarter, and it really was the reason why they lost a ton of their games last year. This year, they're much better third quarter team, and it made the difference to put themselves in position to win this game in the fourth. And, of course, it went down to, you know, the final shot. Um, um, the Knicks were able to get, you know, a, a, a big shot from Marcus Morris. It, uh, they got able to get the offensive rebound and ricochet into Marcus Morris's hands, and he, able, he was able to drill a, a three on the left wing. And that was a huge three. And like I said, he made a bunch of shots before that to put themselves in that position that they were able to make that three. To um, I think they were up by two at that point. They really, I think they excuse me, they tied the game. So the game was tied when Morris hit that shot, and then uh, Celtics had probably probably about you know three seconds to inbound the ball and create an opportunity for obviously as we know Jason Tatum won that uh made the game winner uh caught it on the baseline on the right wing able to you know I think I think I'm trying to think of who was guarding I think it was Wayne Ellington and he was able to cross up Wayne Ellington able to dribble dribble to his right hand and fade away for one of his patented uh, mid-range fadeaways and he he drilled it just a, just a great shot by Tatum it's his first game winner so that was that was exciting to see him make that shot you know we just seen Paul Pierce a couple of days ago he was in the garden for that Buck Celtic game it was kind of a passing the torch moment man to see you know him um Paul and, and Tatum both you know high five each other during that game that was a, that was a, a vintage moment man to say the least Paul Pierce got out of his seat get got the crowd going and that was definitely a moment to see Tatum make that shot especially from mid-range which we all know Paul Pierce was was a was a master at, uh, of sh- shooting the ball in the mid-range which we all know Marcus Morris is a master of shooting the ball in the mid-range they both have they both had pretty good mid-range games overall, all three of those players. And obviously it was just fitting that Tatum was able to make that shot after, you know, what happened, you know, Wednesday night with him, you know, him and Paul Pierce um, having a moment, you know, during that game. So, yeah, so the Celtics, strong week, form one. We'll have to see what they do next week. We'll, we'll definitely... You know, fall that, fall all that, fall. You know, all the games, all year long, and we'll get into what, what they do next week, in the next podcast. But yeah, but far as I know, we're gonna get into um, other NBA news. We'll move on for that. Switch gears into other NBA news. 
Um, I thought it was crazy to see Joel Embiid and Carthy Towns get after it, get after it in that game. That was also the same night that the Celtics played the Bucks. It was like Wednesday night. They just announced the suspensions for that. Um, Embiid got two games. Carthy Towns got two games. And I'm kind of frustrated by that because that that um that hurts my fantasy team because I Carthy Towns is on my fantasy team, so that that hurts my fantasy team. But nevertheless, they got two games each. Um, ben Simmons, I believe, didn't get anything, which I think that's a, a mistake because I think he still, you know, played part in that fight. Whether you think he was a peacemaker or not, I still thought he deserved at least at least one game because he kind of he still was, even though he was trying to break up the, they thought the referees thought they were that he was trying to, or at least the NBA thought that he was trying to break up the fight, but really he was he was putting. Carthy Towns in a, in a headlock. I mean, it's kind of a. I mean, if you're gonna try to break someone up, you try to you know bear hug them. You don't you know headlock them. <laughs> so it's like that was kind of crazy that he wasn't able to get anything on that. But Sixers lucked out on that. But so Embiid's gonna be out two games, and then and Cats uh, Towns is gonna be out for two games. So, and it was funny. It was, you know, you heard like people around around the NBA joke about uh, joke around about it, saying that it wasn't a real fight. It was like a pillow fight, or just like just a wrestling match. You know, uh, Charles Barkley joked around about it, saying it was literally just a, a wrestling match, and there was no punches being thrown, which it wasn't. It, it pretty much just was just. All, all it was was just you know Joel Embiid and 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 Towns pretty much just wrestling, grabbing each other, and then obviously the benches cleared and you know all the coaches got in the court to try to break it up and then you seen a, a whole you know melee where Ben Simmons is on you see Ben Simmons on the ground, you know, you know chokeholding Carl Anthony Towns. So it's just, it's it's crazy though, but. They were able to figure out all the details for that and all the results of the suspensions. So, so that was a that was a fun moment because the NBA is it is too many friends in the NBA. You like to see that that type of um that type of intensity that that feistiness between the teams. I mean, I think it's going to be good that. You know, such a is such more is much more parity, particularly in the Western Conference, but also in the Eastern Conference too. The the top five teams are pretty much balanced between each other. They're, they're pretty equal in talent, so there's a lot more parity all all around the league, and hopefully it starts to develop. You know, rivalries and stuff. This is more of an East West type of matchup, so really that kind of doesn't fit my point, but. I hope there's a little bit more of that in between Western Conference teams playing against each other because obviously these teams are pretty equal when it comes down to talent. And then obviously in the East, with the, probably those top five teams, hopefully they can start you know, not liking each other. That's going to only make 
you know, the NBA that much more enjoyable to watch. It's fun when we have rivalries and stuff and teams play each other over and over again and they feel like, oh, we got to get through this team in order for us to win a championship. So it makes the playoffs that much more fun to watch when you have little animosity between the teams. But but like I said, it was was definitely a, a nice sight to see that there's a little um there's a little hate between the teams that's what you want to see it only makes it that much more enjoyable to watch it adds a little side item to you know you know to you know anyone that's covering the game like I'm covering the game it's always going to add a little juice to it a little extra to it but yeah, and then obviously Steph Curry getting hurt. He broke his hand in the Phoenix Suns game. Aaron Baines ended up landing on him. And he ended up broken his hand because of that. So he's gonna be out for at least three months, maybe even more than that. He already had surgery already. So that's the uh derivation of the injury. But I I mean who knows who knows what he's gonna do. Without Steph Curry, I mean, I'm you. I mean, you look at it like this: you got Clay Thompson's out. I mean, they weren't doing that well before the injury, and you know, so I would say Golden State would probably have to tank here, or probably should tank, or or at least try to position themselves to get into a into a uh, a possibly lottery pick. Because it's just no use. Even if Steph Curry does come back, you're probably already going to be in a hole anyways. And you're going to put yourself in a, in a position where you're not going to be in, made the playoffs anyways. Whether he was there playing or not. So, like I said, they just, just position themselves to just develop their younger players. they got a few veterans on the team, but there's mostly a lot of younger players than anything else. Um they still got Draymond Green locked up. They got Klay Thompson locked up. And they got Steph Curry locked up long term. The future's still bright for them. I mean, this might actually be a good thing to improve their team. Someone made a point about that. I was watching um, one of the sports shows saying that this might be a blessing in disguise for them. Even though you don't want to wish injury upon anybody. But it gives the Warriors a chance to improve their roster because they're pretty much strapped up to the cap right now with all their, their contracts from their, you know, the guy, their, their main pieces. So it, it actually gives them a chance to get a high-level player in the draft without, you know, paying them a boatload of money, which will be a low-cost um, option for them. So that might end up working out for them, and then they'll be able to compete next year. So... Just take a a year off to kind of um, get all your injury team, your players that are injured back, and then you'd be this make a run next year. So that's probably what they're gonna end up doing, and that's pretty much pretty much the only option they can do at this point. It's just a tough loss to lose him, to lose Curry to that injury, and then obviously. You look at some of the surprise teams. You got to look at the Heat. You got to look at the Mavericks. The Suns have been a surprise. The Raptors have been a surprise. They've all had hard starts to pass to start this season. 
Um, Kendrick Nunn has been really impressive for the Heat. Um, he's, uh, he's pretty much been a journeyman. Uh, this is his first NBA season, of course, but he's played in the G League the past couple of years, played in, you know, in overseas as well. Had a little issues while he was in college, transferred to a few schools. I think he his last school that he played with was in Oakland. So he played at Oakland, which is a you know mid-major school. And I believe it's in Michigan, I believe. So he, I mean he's from Chicago. They were saying that him and Jabari Parker were, were high school teammates. I was watching a TNT broadcast. And they said they mentioned that Kendrick Nunn and Jabari Park were high school teammates. They played in Simeon High School in college, excuse me, in, in Chicago. So, yeah. So Kendrick Nunn has been a huge surprise. He's got, I believe he averages he's averaging about twenty six a game, twenty seven a game. Like he's he and I was watching that the game that he played on Thursday against the Hawks and. He had a big game that game. I think he had 28, 29 points. Um, he's pretty much a catalyst for them right now. And he's this is only his first year in the league. Um, they also have, you know, he also have Tyler Harrow. They also are getting good production from Kelly Olynyk, Bam Adebayo. So they got a nice young team, but they're still a young team that knows how to play and they know how to share the ball and, and play good defense. And it's been working for Eric Spolster. And this is what Eric Spolster does. It seems like Eric Spolster always gets the most out of his players. I think he's like the, you know, him and Brad Stevens are probably the the two guys that I know in this league that can get the most out of nothing. They can get, they can get, they're pretty much the little engine that could, and they're able to make them competitors. And, you know, so same thing. This is a similar team that Spolster's had. But you also you add Jimmy Butler to that mix as well. Jimmy Butler didn't even really score that much in the last game he played against the Hawks. All he was really doing was playing good defense, getting steals, getting um he had a few blocks. Um he was rebounding the ball well, had like ten, you know, double digit rebounds. But he didn't even barely score at even like seven, eight points. Was doing all the little things and letting guys like Kendrick Nunn and and Dragic you know, score the basketball, and Lennox score the basketball. He was just really just doing all the little things. But I'm pretty sure you'll see, you know, games where Jimmy Butler will score too. So that just shows you how much depth they have, that they're able to rely on, you know, Jimmy Butler just being a guy that just can just be a defender mostly and just kind of do, you know, little things. I mean, he was pretty good at passing the ball as well. I think he had like like five Close to five, six assists in that game as well. He was all he had. He played like he was like he had an all-around performance out there, doing it all for them. But yeah, and then you have the Mavericks. You know, you get Perzingis and Doncic playing well together, and then you have the Suns. You got Kelly Oubre having a strong start to the year. You got Aaron Baines doing well. I think Aiton was pretty good until he got suspended. Uh, he's out for. Um, he has a he's out for performance um performance enhancing drugs so he's going he's going to have to take a few games i think it was like 30 to 35 games terrible with numbers guys but yeah so he's out for 
at least 30 games, a little bit more than that. Um, he tested negative. Um, he tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. So the Suns have been able to still play well even without him. Ricky Rubio has been a huge find as well. I, I think I mentioned that you know a couple months ago when I seen him play for the um, I seen him play for Spain in the um, FIBA World Cup. I thought he had a great summer with that with the national team. Um, showed that he can. You know, he was healthy. He was hurt a lot last year. This year, it seems like he's much more healthier, and he's definitely making the Suns a lot uh, more competitive this year. I mean, they're right up there as you know, a team that could be a surprise team in the West. So yeah, so and then obviously yeah, the Raptors. I think Sakim has been um, he's been unbelievable out there. You know, having games, he just scores 30 out there pretty easily. Shooting the ball well, slashing to the rim, just being uh, an absolute nuisance for the for defenses out there. All right, so we're going to uh, we're gonna uh, take a break. All right, we'll get into the next segment. You listen to the Rims and Nets podcast. This is your host, Rob Morris. We'll be right back. 